that's something that has been going going on uh, for centuries the whole mentality was like why do we need to discuss this so there should be it should be made a human right aspect it was an alarming uh, result which we got like this shame was so deep she missed out her whole education because of it there is uh, something problem which is neglected by the national agenda some of the kids who had actually gone through that trauma were like they would they really would you know cuddle me up and hug me tight and tell me that you have told us things that no one told us before shame we've all felt it maybe it's avoiding looking someone in the eye after you've said something that was just a bit too far maybe it's being afraid to look at yourself in the mirror In most cases, the everyday shame we feel is usually because of what we've done, some poor decision we've made or something we've said in bad judgment. But what if the root of your shame came from your very existence, from the functioning of your human body? And what if that shame was so pervasive that your own spouse wouldn't let you sleep in the bed, but on the floor next to it? What if shame disallowed you from touching food or worshiping your god, going to work or school, getting jobs, making friends, staying healthy? And what if shame ensured you could never ever speak about how all this made you feel? Many Indian women experience this very feeling. For them, it's just that time of the month. For starters, the whole concept of menstruation in India is um, still really a taboo. Like um, you cannot um, openly talk about, say, sanitary napkins. and um, tampons and even like um, in a very urban society in a very urban space say even um, unless you 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 reach that stage of interaction where you're really comfortable with uh, somebody of the opposite gender only then can you bring up a topic like menstruation and so and it's very tough for the women uh, back in india because they are not allowed openly to talk about it so even if they have any doubts or if they're actually having problems with their cycles or anything for that matter they can't approach anyone that is i'm sitting in a crowded lunch hall with a group of students from symbiosis school of media and communication in bangalore india we're having a chat over pizza and kebabs And it's hard to grasp the fact that outside of this circle, menstruation is a topic that's barely ever casually discussed. So even now, you go to a pharmacy, a small medical shop, uh, off the counter if you need to get uh, sanitary napkins. They wrap it in a piece of paper and a black cover. So you see the amount of, you know, like nobody needs, nobody should know, nobody needs to and know that you're going through yeah. it, and nobody should know. And so it's here, so funny. Everybody it. knows that in that black cover is a sanitary napkin. Everybody knows what's, everybody what's knows in, in the it. World. Like everybody knows Despite what's in it, and they will, not, they will still put like, it in. They will put it in a black cover or a brown yeah. paper bag so that it's not seen. So it's not seen. So, you don't flaunt your pads and tampons at passers-by. Maybe that's the norm everywhere to some extent. But I'm quickly learning that in India, it's not just a case of keeping your cycle to yourself. There are real beliefs and taboos that influence how women think and behave when they're on their period. Things like girls not able to enter the kitchen, have food with their family. If you're having your period, you cannot do puja. It's ritual worship. So many women don't wash their hair. You can't touch the pickle. no matter what you can't touch it nothing happens to it but you can't touch it being isolated being not able to take bath she is not allowed to go for religious worship she is not allowed to go inside religious temples sleep on a separate mattress they don't sleep on the main bed yeah. your mother does it sometimes see so what are the effects of this culture of shame around menstruation 
Well, the more I looked into it, the more I found. Multiple studies have demonstrated that these taboos lead to a critical lack of awareness about how and why menstruation happens. A study on young girls in Jaipur in 2012 showed 56 to 60 percent believed their periods were a kind of disease. A study in a slum in Mumbai in 2013 showed nearly a third of girls were not aware of how to clean themselves during menstruation. In a study in Karad in 2016, researchers found that out of women who use cloth pads during their periods, less than 20% clean them with soap and water before reusing them. The evidence clearly shows that this "don't ask, don't tell" policy is doing some serious damage. We collected or we obtained all the studies that have been published between 2000 to 2015 September, uh, and then we actually did a meta-analysis. This is Dr. Siva Kami Mutasami. She is an associate professor at the Tata Institute of Social Sciences in Mumbai. I'll hear more from her later, but for now, I'd like a snapshot of menstrual health awareness as of this year. In that study, what we found out was that about 48 percentage of the uh, adolescent girls in the age group of 10 to 19 do not have any awareness pre-menarche. that is before attaining the first menarche they don't have any awareness and only 25% of the girls know the source of your menstrual bleeding there's definitely a connection between taboos and awareness of that much i'm sure but where do these beliefs come from and how are they so pervasive india is predominantly hindu with the last census in 2011 putting the number at nearly 80% could it be that hindu beliefs or some interpretations of them are what's driving the culture of shame Sarika Prasad is a doctoral student in clinical child psychology at Pace University in New York City. She's a practicing Hindu and has spent a lot of time studying Hindu philosophy. She's written extensively on feminism and interpretations of Hindu traditions, and what she's saying is this: You know that popular idea of impurity, that it's some kind of moral failing? That's just not what's meant in the Hindu teachings when women are said to be impure during menstruation. I mean, the cis around uh, in Hinduism around menstruation, they really vary throughout different regions of India and then again through the diaspora. Um but the basic idea is that you are you are in a state of ritual impurity during that time. So um in in the body there's uh thought to be five pranas. So prana has a few meanings. One meaning of the word prana is life. It just simply means life. Another meaning is breath. The way prana moves through your body, it dictates which rituals you're allowed to do but also rituals can control your prana as well. It, it's like a back and forth relationship. So at the same time though, uh there are certain rituals that if there is an apana process, which means something where uh, an excretion of prana is happening, you cannot do that ritual. So puja is one of those things. So that that gives us one reason why certain rituals cannot be done during menstruation because it's inappropriate to do those uh rituals while you're excreting. And in this context, it's not just women who have to abide by these rules of ritual impurity. Men are also not allowed to do puja if they're excreting in any way, say if they have a runny nose or they've got to go to the toilet. And there are ways women can be part of rituals if they're menstruating. There are many other uh practices within the Hinduism that you are able to do during that time. So, for example, um meditation is uh recommended and is is totally fine to do during that time. Um doing japa, which means uh reciting a name or a mantra uh that's recommended and that's okay during that time. So if this is part of the religious explanation for excluding women on the basis of impurity, how did that come to include a whole bunch of beliefs and superstitions that denigrate women more than men? In a 
a lot of cultures, a lot of religions, things are very black and white. So it's kind of either you're good or you're bad. So either you're pure or you're impure. The Western modes of thinking, of research, of empiricism have influenced how we study religion, how we study philosophy everywhere in the world. And so I think, for example, the idea of there being something good versus something evil, there's, things are a little more black and white in the Judeo-Christian world, whereas in the world of um, Eastern religions, Eastern traditions, or what we call the Dharmic traditions, things are a little more, uh, we're comfortable with gray areas. Turns out it all comes down to interpretation. But by this token, can it be argued that the negative effects of this culture of taboo are justified on religious grounds? Nikita Azad, a 21-year-old activist, would say no. Hindu religion is quite open to interpretation. The same book, one book of Hindu religion will say that women should be excluded, but the other will say it will not be excluded. So I don't want to go into that debate. But then I address the question from this angle that women should be allowed to enter every public space. It is the right to occupy those spaces. Nikita became famous last year after she penned an open letter to the leader of the well-known Sabrimala temple, which women are not permitted to enter. She wrote the letter after the temple chief said he would only allow women inside once a machine had been invented to gauge their purity, that is, whether they were on their period. The incident sparked international outrage as Nikita forged the way on social media with the hashtag happy to bleed. What prompted me was that such a comment came from the so-called stakeholders of a public place which should be accessible to everybody. It should not discriminate on the basis of gender or age or whatever. It was never about the temple only, but about the shame that is attached to menstruation because of which women are looked down upon. Consequentially, such shame reduces the already shrunken space for women to talk about menstrual care and menstrual health. There are some people, however, who are trying their best to widen that space. As much as Indian women are constrained by taboos, there are tons of educators who want to change that. Sarika Gupta is one of those people. So this is um, why we basically started. We really want that menstruation should be respected. And starting from the home. If your parents don't respect it and if you yourself don't respect it, forget that anybody else would respect your periods. You know. And one thing I commonly come across with school girls, you know, whenever they'll have a spot on the skirt, oh my God, they'll have a tough time. So I tell them, if, if, if your hand gets cut, if you have bleeding here, would you be shy? They said no. So I said, why do you have to shy when your skirt is blotted? No, you should flaunt it. It's okay. Let people make fun, but you don't get disturbed because of that. You take it in your stride. So that's when they actually, you know, think that, yeah, it's nothing bad. Sarika's day job is working as the head of a business school in Mumbai, but every spare moment she has is dedicated to her charitable passion project, Safe and Happy Periods. The program aims to boost awareness in women of all ages and involves education sessions in schools and community centres around the country. Sarika gives the workshops at her own expense, often to four or five hundred girls at a time. It's an insanely busy schedule, but she seems to pull it off effortlessly. She also sees firsthand the effects of these taboos at their first point of incubation, the schools. Myths is one thing, yeah, they're loaded with. So should we go to the temple or should we not? And our mothers don't let us come to the school sometimes for seven days, ten days. 
even if we want to come to school sometimes they they are like so puzzled that what is the real answer it's not a very linear question or a linear answer you know the society's influence the culture is so intricated it's so complicated that there's no one answer for it so they do come up with these myths and questions but what we try to tell them is at least uh, don't be shy with it and don't take it as something filthy you know just look at the importance of it and respect it respect your own body and respect this nature given you know gift to you she's the kind of person who radiates a cool-headed kind of optimism even so she says the battle is far from won and it's going to be a long process to change how indian women think about their periods people like me even if i work for 20 years i think i can still cover a very minuscule part of the huge territory we have but uh, i'm sure with more and more information given to the kids and to their parents things will gradually change because if we are educating the kids right now just imagine at least the next generation would be a bit different ट्रेडिशन फॉलो ट्रेडिशन 